right, we are back. We are the Yankee Clippers. Um, had to go away for a week, so I'm a little rusty. I was so upset that uh, Brad Stevens didn't win Coach of the Year that I just had to get out of the country. So, but I'm back. Um, yeah, we'll see if I we'll see if I can brush up on my sports. Maybe you can fill me in on a few things. Uh, big week this past week. Um, in the legal world and in the sports world and in the gambling world, uh, gambling is officially um, legal in the United States of America on sports. Um, Past it's a, yeah. a state-by-state state thing now. Um, so, yeah, thanks, uh, Chris Christie. Shout out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he kind of got the ball rolling with this. He's been pushing it for years. And, and the state of New Jersey, especially with Atlantic City being a huge epicenter for gambling, you know, um, Vegas is known as the only place in in the country where you can do legal sports betting. It looks like that's about to drastically change. And the whole landscape for how uh, sports betting is going to be done um, is going to take a big turn. But I think personally for the best, you know, um, sports gambling has really been at the forefront of sports fans' minds, uh, maybe without knowing it really as sports betting. But... I mean, what do you think the fan daily fantasies are? I mean, that's fantasy sports, sports period. If you put money on a game, you're technically gambling, whether it be fantasy sports, daily fantasy. You do, I, I mean, most people you know, even if they don't play or watch the games, they always do like a Super Bowl pool and all that jazz. So, yeah, the NCAA know. tournament bracket, you know. All I mean. that stuff is gambling. So now it's just finally legal. Um, I think it's going to be a slow burn when it comes to the change. Um you know, they'll start with, I think you alluded to, like the casinos and what The whatnot. casinos and the racetracks and the are race the tracks. places where you're going to be able to go yeah. bet. It's in like two weeks, that'll probably be official. But, you know, it'll probably get to the point where they're going to have every single parlay and prop bet and everything that your local bookie does or the offshore website does in a few years to the point where you can walk into 7-Eleven and fill out a bet card and get a ticket. Um, that's going to take a little bit longer, but it's definitely exciting. Um, just another thing for America to tax. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, you I know, think it's paying gonna, taxes. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be great for the economy. I think it's going to be great for the organizations as well. They're going to make a lot of money off of it. And, um, you know, kind of going off of, of what you were saying, of what the future might hold um, as we get down the line here. Over in, over in England, sports betting is is very much out in the open. Yeah, I mean, you there's just walk parlors. Into a parlor. Yeah, go over and, and place a bet on, on a match, on a game, on any kind of sporting event that's going on over there, and there's really no issues. I think, you know, the people that are having an issue with this are probably the people that think, oh, you know, gambling's kind of a degenerate act. It's it's something that, you know, you're capitalizing on somebody's vice and, and somebody's uh, addiction. But at the end of the day, I yeah, don't think like, that's really the issue. I mean, alcohol exactly. is out. Prohibition open. ended how long ago? Cigarettes are for sale. Every, most drugs, except you know. Yeah, you know, for me is the I'm ba- not the hard ones. So aside from they're the, thinking about legalizing pot. That's probably going to come to fruition soon. So yeah, I mean, that's been a state by state thing. Whether you ba- want, yeah. What's so bad about sports gambling in comparison to alcohol or anything like that? You know. Prohibition happened in the 1930s. This is a long time coming. Endless, you know. Yeah, I think it's really it. it's a long time coming. It's indicative of the person's, you know, prerogatives and what their desire to do. You know, every I do the Sunday ticket every year with the football um, picks and do the pick'em leagues, do the spreads. Um, I'll do the NCAA tournament. You know, during the Super Bowl, I always have a I always have a box or two in a couple of different uh, leagues. 
Uh, I'm not a fantasy sports guy myself. I know you are. I know a lot of people are. Um, but, you know, for me, is this is not going to change my attitude. I'm not a big gambler, so it's not something that I'm going to be like, oh, good, it's legal now, I can go do it. You know, it's just not yeah, something no. that really, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I don't think anything will really change. Like, they already talk about it on some of the mainstream shows. Most of your apps, if you go to pull up a score of a game, will show you the spread. And even a, some apps will show you a live spread where you can live bet the game. Um, you know, I do tend to gamble um, illegally as it is now, and... I do tend to, um, uh, you know, put in a few bets um, as well as play a lot of fantasy sports. So nothing will really change for me. Maybe it'll just be easier. Um, the only thing that may deter some people is that you have to pay up front as opposed to just paying a bookie like every Monday. But, I mean, if you lose, you got to pay anyway. So who, who really cares in the end? And this might actually help people be a little more... Um, responsible with their betting if you believe that just because to place the bet you actually have to have the money yeah you're, you're not going to have the ability or i guess inability to go you know a couple thousand dollars in debt yeah, with just, just being able to put it on a credit yeah. yeah so i think it's really interesting um one future hold you know for the people that are a little more pessimistic about this than we are because i think we're in agreement that this is a very good thing and a long time coming as you alluded to um you know, people are wondering, well, how far does this go? So, you know, there's a lot of open, you know, sports betting sites where there's a lot of prop bets. There's a lot of in-the-moment bets. Will this guy make a free throw? You know, a lot of people are wondering, well, will the will the lines be available if you go in to walk into MetLife Stadium on a Sunday for a Giants or Jets game? You know, will you be able to go to a kiosk and bet there? Will there be kiosks like personal tablets on the seats where you can bet will he make this field goal or not? Um, you know, will this punt go 40 yards or not? You know, first down here on third and second. It, you know, it's it, those are the ones where you wonder. I don't think it'll ever get quite to that point uh, as far as being that prevalent in the arenas or in the stadiums, but it could be on websites for sure. It's just going to yeah, be I it, think how far do you want to go? What you're going to see now. Uh, down the line is that you're just going to put your debit card into an account like you do like a FanDuel account now or, or any of those accounts and it'll just be through a casino in Atlantic City and it'll be just like the ones now the illegal apps or, or the illegal websites where it'll just have rolling lines live betting and the only thing will be you're not breaking the law when you're doing it that's going to be the only difference it's going to take a while but it'll definitely get there the other great thing is this is going to do wonders for the economies of the in of the states, particularly the tri-state area. You know, Atlantic City is going to make a huge profit off this. The New York uh, casinos and the Connecticut ones as well, um, up with uh, Foxwoods and Mohegan, because you know a lot of people who want to do get their gambling, their sports gambling out of the uh, out of their systems is they got to go all the way to Vegas to do it. And now a lot of those trips are not going to have to be made. You can drive, you know, if you're if you're in in Jersey, you can drive up to a down to AC. If you're in Connecticut, you can do a nice weekend at Mohegan and do your betting there. You don't have to go all the way out to Las Vegas to do it. And I think that's going to do wonders for the economies. Um, you know, being able to tax it, maybe have that Seven Eleven type thing where the where the you know the ticket is printed for all that day's games. Uh, you know, it's pretty yeah, exciting think it's... to think what could happen with it because if you think about it, there is a level of skill that's involved with it. Sure, there's chance, but, I mean, there's a lot more skill that than your daily lottery ticket. That's complete chance. Yeah, no, there's a lot more studying knowledge. Um, but besides that, I think what it's going to do is it's going to bring in the casual fan more than anything else because the people that gamble now, like, 
It's not going to change my life. I I already do it. I'm not, I'm I'm already. I I don't plan a trip to Vegas every time I want to put a bet in. I wouldn't drive all the way up to Mohegan Sun to put a bet in. But I think that it will get the more casual person now, where they're like, okay, I can do it legally. I'm comfortable with it. You know, throw twenty dollars on this and then go watch it at the bar, and they'll be getting you know billions of tax dollars from those casual fans that. The only thing that was stopping them was that it was illegal and it wasn't worth it to them because they didn't care enough. Now that it's legal, it's just like going to the casino and playing, you know, roulette. They, they put a little bit on this, they put a little bit on that. It's going to be maybe they'll direct their money from roulette to something that they actually like, like sports gambling. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And kind of to go off of that, too, is, you know, the, the thing is, is that when you look at the Super Bowl, right? how much eyeballs that gets. It's probably more from the casual fan than the actual fan. Unless your team is playing in it, you know, you don't have a real dog in the fight, you know, unless it's a team you despise. The NCAA tournament, the bracket, you know, that's done in office pools nationwide. And the majority of people that are putting that in, they don't know the difference between San Jose State and University of Connecticut. Yeah, they're going off mascots, team colors, you know, what what have you. So now, you know, this is going to get so much more eyeballs. This is going to generate a lot more ratings and revenue. Uh, Maybe going to the stadiums, you know, you catch on watching a team by doing a couple of prop bets, a couple of lines here and there. And then you say, wow, you know, I've actually kind of enjoyed watching this team play. Well, now you get a fan. You're paying ticket prices. You're now, you know, signing up to get the Yes Network or whatever uh, regional sports network you have. You're getting the Sunday ticket. You're getting NBA League Pass, whatever. So, you know, for me is I, I think there's there's way more good that can come from this decision than bad. Yeah, no, everybody's worried about the NCAA. We don't have to go into much detail. They're wor- the NCAA should be worried because maybe a player will tell all his buddies to, you know, put money on what on the money Point line or shave, whatever. Yeah, something like that. Exactly. But, I mean, who really cares about that? That's for them to worry about, not us. We'll just enjoy it as fans. Yeah, and the professional leagues have nothing to worry about. You know, people who no, try they to harken back to the money. Black Sox. Yeah, exactly. These athletes make millions of they dollars a game. They could care less. They're probably excited to gamble themselves, honestly, on other sports and Whatever, I don't know what the rules are going to be for each league. If you're, you know, Aaron Judge, can you gamble on some other team's game that doesn't matter to you? I don't know, but I don't really care because I'm not Aaron Judge. Right. I'm not playing for the Yankees. I'm the average fan. I'm excited. And... And everyone else should be excited too and I'm because sure those now players you have the could option. do it anyway if they really wanted to. Of I'll course. Pete Rose. So well, there I, you I go. think it's fine. Um, yeah, so sports gambling's legal, uh, a long time coming. It should be legal as well as a lot of other things. Um, but you can get into that on another day, on another podcast. <laughs> on another podcast. Um, next up, NBA postseason. Um, I'm dead right about Houston so far. Uh, I said Golden games. State was going to smack them right in the face. First game, and then they were going to come back and win the second. Um, I think this one goes six still. I'm holding firm at that. I think I think maybe Houston gets another one, but this one goes six. Um, what was your prediction on this one? I said five. You holding you hold I that? I, I okay, mean, Golden, all right. Golden State is near unbeatable at home, and I'd love to see, you know, I mean, Houston Houston played their best game, and Golden State played their worst game of the postseason, with maybe the exception of that one San Antonio game in the first round. You know, Clay, and when Curry was out. Curry, yeah, Curry was awful. Uh, Thompson didn't do a whole lot. 
uh, Houston was able to run and gun and shoot. P.J. Tucker had a ridiculous game shooting the three ball. Harden did what he does. Uh, Chris Paul did what he does. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I'd like to see another team win an Oracle. That's a, always a very tough task. Later on today is yep. game three. Um, I think game three is going to tell us a lot. I think if Golden State smacks them, that could demoralize Houston. I think in another way, too, if Houston plays the best they possibly can, but Golden State plays their best, Golden State wins. Golden State's best wins them the finals. Easily. Yeah. They, if you got to... I mean, it's the same thing as when LeBron beat them. They were, you know, Curry was hurt and they didn't play well and Draymond Green got suspended for something stupid. That's the only way you're going to beat this team. Until they get old or until somebody leaves, they are the most talented and their best will be your best, you know, 99.9 out of 100 times. Um, I haven't really been able to watch too much of these games because, like I alluded to earlier, I've been away. So I can't really talk about anything, like, watching the games but i mean durant you're just not dedicated <laughs> yeah I, I guess i wasn't gonna watch the game at 3 30 in the morning but durant looked like a killer i don't know supposedly he got punched in the butthole or something something like by that. chris paul and, <laughs> yeah. and then that like that like flipped the switch um but i i'm gonna stand firm with my prediction of six looks like you're sticking with five either way we both got the warriors going back to the finals um and then to jump to the other side I still think the Cavs are going to win in six, to be honest. I, You know, the Celtics looked great at home, and then LeBron and the Cavaliers came out last night and just smacked them around. Um, and I think the Celtics, because they're young and they don't really have a superstar player, are vulnerable on the road. Um, and I think if LeBron can steal one in Boston – yeah. Game four, to me, is the deciding game. Because here's how Cle- Cleveland won last night going away. That game wasn't close from the opening tip-off all the way to the final buzzer. Um, LeBron James did what he does. But you know what? He had a great game in game one. He had a great game in game two. What happened last night was the supporting cast showed up. J.R. Smith hit some big threes early on to get some separation. George Hill played like a really savvy veteran making a lot of good plays. Kyle Korver hitting some threes, coming off screens. Tristan Thompson with a couple of big blocks. Even Kevin Love played some really good defense at times when LeBron James was out of the game, hit some shots as well. For That's where Cleveland is going to make the difference of whether they win or lose. Because in games one and two, it was LeBron James and there was no one else. And Boston's just a different team at home than they are on the road. They get that they get fired up from those fans. Terry Rozier can't miss a shot. You know, the tough plays of Marcus Smart and um, Marcus Morris, they rile up the fans. Everything gets crazy. Next thing you know, five points becomes 15 points. But if Cleveland can find a way to win game four, I think there's your six-game series, and that's where Cleveland takes it. Because LeBron James, I do think, will still be able to steal one on his own in Boston. If Boston can win game four, I think it could still be a six-game series, but in favor of Boston. What's funny about these NBA playoffs, and I'm sure you'll agree with it, they just go to show how little all of us actually know. Because the flip switch is the please the flip switch is so quick, game to game, and you know Boston, Cleveland has this huge lead in game two. Looks like there's no way they're going to lose. Boston comes storming back, end up winning going away. Cleveland looks like they've been beaten down. They've got nothing left. They're going home. 
you know, how can the supporting cast do anything? J.R. Smith is out of his mind. He's pushing guys in the back. Last thing we're about basketball. And then they come out like, you know, game busters last night. And now everybody's saying, well, this is Cleveland series again. And it's just crazy. Like one game just changes everything. Yeah, no. And uh, it's just, it's a matter. There's such rapid reactions. It seems like even more this year than every other year with the NBA. Um, I don't know what's going to happen today. I think the Cavs will win. Um, they're a real X factor, and I think I might have said this earlier in you know earlier on the pods, but it's George Hill. I mean, the guy can play great defense when he's healthy. He looked invisible in game two. I think he had like three points or something when I was looking at the, the stats. Yeah, he did nothing, especially um, late. Yeah, I, I, he, I heard he was just awful. Um, but if he can play the way he's getting paid to play, I think Cleveland's going to win this series, and it's not going to be close because you're going to get what you're going to get from LeBron James. He's the second greatest player of all time. Enough said. Kevin Love's going to get you 20 and 10. Kevin Love is an all-star. He's, you know, almost every year he's an all-star. He's not what he was in Minnesota, but they don't need him to be that. He's he's 20 and 10. He's a walking double-double. You need... J.R. Smith to score 9 to 12 points in a game, and you need George Hill to play the way he played yesterday. He doesn't have to, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be the scorer, but he needs to be a playmaker, he needs to knock down open shots, and he needs to play great defense. Tristan Thompson needs to rebound, and the rest of the team just needs to, like, just actually make it to the arena that day. Now, I will say this. I agree with your premise on Kevin Love, but... To me, Cleveland is the most Jekyll and Hyde team outside of LeBron because if you get the walking double-double of Kevin Love, that's great. But he is just as likely to put up a game of four points and eight rebounds as he is of 25 and 15. Well, Kyle Korver is likely I just to – I don't agree with that. I think I – He's think, had some very bad games in this postseason and in other postseasons I think it's just well. a matter of, like, there's a big difference between when he gets 10 points and nine rebounds or 10 points and 10 rebounds and 20 points and 13 rebounds, and he's throwing a great alibis. I don't think he's going to be – a nothing, like a zero. And there has been games like that, and LeBron said to carry him, but I don't think, just by watching him play in the series, I don't think he's going to be a zero. I think you're guaranteed to get, like, 20 and 10 from the guy. Right. But Corver, Corver is a one-dimensional player. You know, a lot of people compare him to J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick plays defense. Corver's a turnstile. Corver's a catch-and-shoot guy. He's going to run around on screens. And people also forget that he's, like, 38 years old or something crazy. He's been in the league forever. For a long time. He was playing – he started his career with the Allen Iverson Sixers. Like, he's been around for a, a long time. So, there's not much else he can do besides shoot. And the fact that he's playing big-time minutes is just another testament to how great LeBron is that – He's just carrying them, and, you know, I just think, just to disagree with you, I think that Kevin Love is not going to have a dud game. He's not going to have a zero game. It's just a matter of LeBron doing LeBron things, Kevin Love being a walking double-double, and then he just needs the rest of the guys to have a pulse, and they can win this series. Yeah, I think what The next series going forward... You don't know. I don't mean, even go, get me started. Yeah, going against Golden LeBron, State. LeBron could, would, if, if LeBron wins the finals this year, he's the greatest player ever. I ever. agree with you. I think more what my point was, was this: the supporting cast of everybody not named LeBron James is just as likely to have a game like they did last night as much as they are likely to have a game like Game 1, where guys like Korver go 0 of 9 shooting, George Hill puts up 4 points, 
Uh, J.R. Smith, you know, makes one of 15. But then he can have games where he catches fire from three. And Corver can come off those screens and hit threes. And Kevin Love looks like an aggressor down low and hits a good and hits a big corner three from time to time. You know, Tristan Thompson could get into foul trouble early and kind of be a no-show. I, I've seen plenty of games, and we're, I'm not the only one to say this. I've seen a lot of people, you know, on a lot of mainstream uh, sports sites say the same thing, you know. I think that's kind of alludes to what we were talking about last week with LeBron James, right? Like, it seems like when he wins, he gets all the credit, but when they when the Cavs lose, it's, well, look at his supporting cast. There, There's nothing there. But if, you're, if they're as good as you mentioned, and, you know, when they play great, of course, they have a performance like they did in Game 3 last night. But there are there have been plenty of occasions where one, two, or even three of those guys, including Kevin Love, don't show up in big moments. Yeah, I mean, obviously you fucking hate Kevin Love. I don't know what you have against the guy; he's a champion. But I, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm going a little overboard with the love that I have for him. I just think he's good one. He's a good number three. He's a good number three player. Of course, he's stuck being number two in Cleveland because their roster is absolute trash, kind of LeBron's fault. But I just think that he's a lot more consistent than you're alluding to. There's been games, especially in the regular season, which doesn't matter, where he's been a ghost. But I think that he's LeBron's only guy that LeBron really can rely on. I agree on. with you on that, I, which speaks more about the rest of the team than it does more so about Kevin Love, in my opinion. But that's okay. It's you know He could easily go out and, and have three great games and you look like a savant, or he could go out and have one or two ghost games where he puts up you know eight points and, and ten rebounds and, and doesn't do a whole lot, and you wonder where he was in the fourth quarter, and then I look right. So who knows? All we know is that LeBron James is going to put in his work every single night, and if they win, it's going to be because of him. All right, so to cap off in a roundabout way, I'm thinking it's still Cavs and six. What are you saying? Yeah, I say Cavs and six. Okay, all right, all right. So moving on. Um, a little Game more. four is pivotal, though. Absolutely, yeah. We'll we'll see what happens today. Moving on though, um, Milwaukee's got a new head coach, um, Bud, whatever Budenholzer. the guy from Atlanta, however the fuck you say his <laughs> name. Um, the guy you kind of wanted for the Knicks, right? You would have liked to see him with the Knicks. Yeah, but you know what? I think that he was a hot ticket, and maybe he picked and choose. Maybe the Knicks knew. I, I don't want to say that the Knicks are competent. I don't want to give them any credit <laughs> where no credit's due. Well, nobody would, nobody would but make that kind of statement. He probably met with them. His agent probably said, listen, you're not going to get him. It's between Toronto and it's and it's Milwaukee. And he picked, he picked Milwaukee, which I think is the right pick. Um, with a good coach, I, I think Milwaukee's going to be like a top three seed next year. Even yeah. if LeBron, even if LeBron, even if LeBron stays in Cleveland, I think that they're going to be um, a top three. I um, agree. I agree with you. I mean, you have because, you have Giannis as your as your franchise player. You've got good young supporting cast, especially with the way uh, Eric Bledsoe played when he came over. You got well, Chris Eric, Middleton. Eric I mean, that's Bledsoe, a pretty good team. Eric Bledsoe looks like trash in the playoffs, but. I mean, if they can deal Jabari Parker for another guard, because Middleton is better than Jabari Parker. Oh, absolutely. On both sides of the ball. They have a young player in Thon Maker who I think Budenholzer can really develop because he developed he did a good job developing Horford. Um, and he does really good he does a really good job developing younger players. As well as you have Henson and then, you know, you have do I have to say anything about Antetokounmpo? No, he's a top five player in the NBA. You have Bledsoe. If you can flip um, if you can flip Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker for 
you know, a, a, a decent guard and maybe a second-round draft pick, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. You know, he's great, but he needs the ball. And guess who else needs the ball? Giannis, and he's way better. So, I mean, I think that they're going to be maybe – I think they're, they're going to be a three-seed next year, believe it or not. Listen, the, with the landscape of the Eastern Conference, I, I don't know how I can argue with you. I don't know how anybody can. I mean, it, you know Philly's going to be there if they stay healthy. You know, Cleveland, as long as they've got LeBron, is going to be in the top four. And then Boston, you have no reason to believe that they won't be even better next year with the return of Kyrie Irving and um, and Gordon Hayward. So you got and just another year, more year of experience of Jalen Brown and, and Tatum. So who knows? I, but, I mean, they have the talent. And as you were speaking to, you know, perfectly throughout the throughout the postseason, Milwaukee, if they had a coach, could have had the talent to go a lot further. Yeah. Um, you know, Boston, we're going to talk about them all offseason. I, I, I've already talked about them, how great they are. Boston, Philly, Milwaukee is really the future of the Eastern Conference and possibly the NBA. Um, let's segue into um, a little more overview of the NBA because we do have the draft lottery came out Um I'm actually really glad that I wasn't in the country for this because the Knicks got the fucking ninth pick. <laughs> and and they, they did it to themselves. Thank you for a great parting gift, Jeff Hornacek, for winning those last few games. Uh, we've talked about it already on the podcast. That's enough. Don't even say another word. Don't speak. I don't want to talk oh, about I'm it. Oh, I'm speaking. Okay? I'm speaking because this is where the NBA needs to figure out a new system of tanking. Because well, they are because they're doing that thing where you can't be in the t- you can't get the number one pick or something in the next couple of years. So I'm, I'm think glad they need to, to see do, Adam Silver is doing. I something. think they need to do even more. I agree, but I, it's going to take a while for that to happen. At least they're doing something about but it. But this goes you know? to show that you had three teams in the Eastern Conference trying to lose games. Now, I'm not an advocate of tanking from the start of a season. I know Philly's gotten rewarded with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Is that because you're a Brooklyn Nets fan? No, I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. For 15 years? <laughs> Next year, thank God. Um, no, it's not. It's I don't think that there's, there's an organization that should ever start the season trying to lose in any professional sport, particularly the NBA, because it's so top-heavy as it is that you'll lose your fair share of games. Now, if you suffer a significant injury or to a star player or you're, you know, going into the last month and a half of the season, you know, post-All-Star break, you know, unlike a lot of the other sports, uh, particularly the NHL and uh, and Major League Baseball, the NBA uh, All-Star break is way after the ha- the halfway point of the regular season. So by then, you should know whether you're a contender or not. And if you want to start, you know, ha- finding creative ways to lose, obviously the players on the floor never try to lose. The coach never tries to lose. But you can put the players in who you know are not going to give you as good of a chance to win as, say, some other players. But when you have teams like the Bulls and the Knicks who are playing each other two or three times in the last two or three weeks down the stretch – intentionally trying to lose to get that better chance in the lottery, you know, that's so toxic. And, and how can you tell players not to, not to try their best? How can you tell a coach who's fighting for his job that, hey, we need you to lose? So are you defending the Knicks right now? 
No, I'm I'm because they I'm, won. They beat three I'm playoff telling, teams I'm in the last five I'm games. I'm telling you is to that's that's how inept the Knicks are because they should have told Hornacek from the beginning. Listen, you can win as many games as you want. You're not coming back. You know, that's what I was saying on a couple podcasts ago prior to the NBA uh, playoffs. I, I don't understand, you know, because to him, he's thinking if I win and I show toughness against these playoff teams, maybe on paper it'll look like this is good and we're winning games and we're making strides. No, you're not. Those t- These teams are already booked into their postseason seating. They don't care about playing the Knicks on April 12th in the Garden. You know, some of the guys aren't even making the trip. So... They should have told Hornacek, listen, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not coming back. But because he was under the impression that if he won a couple more games, it would look better, it it screwed you guys, and there you go. And all the Nick fans, and I remember I I got a lot of Nick fans around me screaming and yelling, how are you winning this game? How are you winning this game? You know, you you can't tell a coach to to not try. Yeah, I mean, we've already ranted and raved about this for enough time. I mean, I completely agree with you. They What they should have done was just fired him early and put in – I would have coached the team for a couple hundred thousand, <laughs> and, and I would have started, you know, a D-League team. But whatever. They should have fired him early. They, they can't do anything right. They really can't. So they end up with the ninth pick. I'll just rattle off, you know, the top ten picks – um, and we can go deeper into the draft later in the season, but I just thought, you know, it happened this week, so it's something to yeah, talk about. Um, Phoenix finally gets that pick that they wanted with the number one pick, which they're shopping, but we can talk about that later. Sacramento, Atlanta, Memphis, Dallas, Orlando, Chicago, who tanked for no reason because they ended up with the seventh pick. Cleveland from Boston. From Brooklyn. So From from Brooklyn via Boston. Yeah, that's what it says on the NBA website. Yeah. Um, which, you know, that Kyrie Irving trade just looks worse by the minute. I, I, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I will have to say, just a quick sidebar, it was actually fun watching the Nets this year because even if they're not going to win, it doesn't matter because I'm not trying – you know, you're not watching them thinking that they're going to have their pick because they still didn't. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so and then, I was hoping for they win, that they won every game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that really sucks for Cleveland. They're, they're fucked. Um the Knicks at nine, and then you got Philadelphia at ten, which is you know that's from the Lakers, um, originally from Phoenix. That that's a nice pick for a Phillies team, honestly. Uh, for a Phillies, for for a Sixers team that is already you know stacked pretty much with young talent. Um, you think they would maybe use that pick to to get another to get another guard, especially if they end up shopping faults this offseason? Possibly, like people are thinking. but you know that'll be something to talk about further on. But I have. Off the ringer.com, I, a guy I really like who does mock drafts is Kevin O'Connor. I have his first mock draft pulled up. I mean, this is very early. But hey, we did about 10 NFL ones starting in February, so let's take a look at we this. We might as well. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to run through it. Let's just run through it, and then we'll talk about it. Luka Doncic, one. DeAndre and Jaron Jackson, three. Um, four is Bamba from Texas. Five is Porter Jr. Wow, he's, he's early. Bagley, six. Um, he's that late, huh? I thought he was going to be a top three or four. Nah, man. He, his defensive woes kind of scared everybody away. And the first five guys have so much more upside than him, it's not even funny. They're saying that Bagley's already almost a complete, you know, he already. He's hit his ceiling already. Exactly. Um, and then they got Miles Bridges out of Michigan State going number seven. Um, and number eight, Mikhail Bridges. And then number nine to the Knicks. Trey Young. 
They didn't get their. They didn't get their Steph Curry. They drafted. They drafted uh, Jordan Hill right after the Warriors took Steph Curry. So they're going after him now. Um, early reactions. I think that just looking at Doncic's numbers and Aiton, they're just it, the cliff that falls off after that is crazy. But you know, Phoenix is talking about already trading that pick. Who knows? But I think Doncic would look really good with. Booker and Jackson and some of the other young players they have there. And Phoenix is another one of those um, places. They're going to be a really good team. They hired some random guy that somehow has a connection to Luka Doncic. Um, I think that they're going to be a fun team. Um, and then Aiton's going to be one of those guys, you know, not to go into too much detail because it is early, Aiton's going to be one of those guys where he's not going to come out like Shaq out of LSU where it's just like he's the best center in basketball already. But in three years, he could be the best big man in basketball. I mean, we on the first podcast, we, I was talking about how great he is. Um, he he's gonna be like a, he's a, special. Yeah, yeah, he's special, and I and I agree with you too. I think that's a really good point. Is he did have some games this year where he didn't come out of the gate super, you know, super aggressive. You know, you, he might have some growing pains, but you're never going to look at him and be like, oh, wow, this guy's a bust. This guy is going to be – he's going to get better and better every year. He's going to assert himself as one of the top big men in the league for years to come. He's just freakishly athletic, off the charts with every measurable, um, developed a little bit more of a jump shot as the year went on at Arizona. Um, he's just going to get better. He's so young, but he's so talented. So, I mean, you put him you put him on, uh, in Sacramento – with a De'Aaron Fox, I mean, those are two building blocks right there. Yeah, that'll be a fun pick and roll. And then I was just looking at Mo Bamba, seven foot ten wingspan. Jesus Christ! Um, and they're and they're saying that he can shoot the three, uh, compared to Rudy Gobert with a three point ball. That's that's crazy. Um, but yeah, that that's enough of that for now. It's still early, but just a little rant about the Knicks. You know, classic classic Knicks. Can I be surprised? Um, I guess I should be excited for the Yankees and for the for the Jets. Um, As you're rocking right now, it's just to let you guys know, listening, uh, Tom is rocking his brand new Sam Darnold number 14 jersey. Yes, very excited. <laughs> All right, so next up we got uh, MLB. So Robinson Cano, a former Yankee great, I would call him. Um, I would too. This is a big story. This was a this this was a giant story midweek. Of course, he goes in and vehemently denies it um, after, which I'm not really surprised by that. Teixeira took quite a shot at him on one of the New York radio shows. That was kind of a low blow. Uh, it wasn't really necessary. He could have worded that in so much better of a way than the way he said it, but he said what he said, and he doesn't really seem to be regretting it. So No. I, so let's get into it a little bit more because this really was a big story. And, and you see guys you know, across the MLB network bottom line or you know, on Twitter, is you, you hear guys getting suspended. You know, D. Gordon a couple of years ago got suspended. might have even been last year. A couple of guys like that who are nice players. But Robinson Cano was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. And this can kind of go from there. You know, we can talk about that as well because I think this is a good conversation. But just to start, you know, it's really sad. And it's really sad because he is such a good player. He's been such a good player for a long time. Now you have to wonder how long he's been doing it. Was he doing it with the Yankees when he had Melky and A-Rod with him? Uh, was That's he, a good point. Was I he, didn't even think Was he that. doing it? You know, there were speculations after this came out that maybe Cashman had an idea, which is why 
they didn't give him the 10 years. I don't necessarily buy that. They still offered him seven years and $195 million. Absolutely, yeah. So I don't know too much about that. It's sad. I mean, his... He just to get just to be clear, he didn't test positive for a steroid. He tested positive for a masking agent, which obviously is masking some kind of steroid. That's what it was. Yeah, for. and then he came out with some. I don't have the quote in front of me, but some weird quote that he's only taking what a doctor's prescribed to him and all this shit. Well, A Rod went to a bar quote doctor. Yeah. The second time down in Miami, so I mean, who the hell knows? And can I just say seeing. something? How dumb do you have to be at this point? You know the testing is so much more aggressive than it used to be. And you know what? If you're taking something in the Dominican Republic, you know, you're playing in the United States. You're not playing in the Dominican League. If you know that it might, there might be something there where it could get tested, if you're a player of, of Cano's caliber, your agent should, you should be telling your agent everything you're taking. You should be first, you should be, you know, upfront and honest with your organization who's paying you a king's ransom for still another five years after this. I mean, we think how bad Ellsbury's deal is. At least the Yankees can absorb that. The Mariners might not be able to absorb that, and they might have to tear this down, especially if he has a lot of the production he's had as a product of what he's been taking. You don't know that. But how stupid can you be? You got you can't just be taking something that you're not sure about. It was like that. What was the uh, the boxer uh, Canelo who said it was like something with the Mexican meat? Like, come on. Yeah, like, but they always the all all of the boxers and a lot of the um, baseball players and whoever gets tested always blame the meat in these countries. And it's like, <laughs> d- then don't fucking eat the meat there. Jesus you Christ! You have enough money to get grade A meat anywhere else. <laughs> exactly. Like none of these, all these people are millionaires. It's the same thing as when a player, um, especially multi-millionaires. Yeah, it's the same thing as a player, especially in the NFL, which you see it more often than any other sport for some reason, gets a DUI. It's like one. You have enough money to where even if you lived in California and you were in New York and you were going to make a fucking drive, I'm over-exaggerating here, from one to the other drunk, you could afford a car from California to New York. You could afford that. And not to mention the fact that the NFL provides a free service to pick you up anywhere you are at any time. Yet there's still players getting DUIs. But this to, is going off the rails. You don't have to even Uber like some of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the point. It's the same thing as this. You... You, there's no excuse when you are making $20 million a year to say, oops, uh, and, and I was neglectful. For us lay people, we could say, oops, I was neglectful because I don't have the kind of money to you know, do whatever, and, and it'll be a slap on the wrist. But 80 games, if he did it, deservedly so. Hopefully it's not a Ryan Braun situation where he tries to tear people down. It doesn't really seem like that's happening. He's kind of surrendered. Um yeah, and then but, to, to get into that next level with Teixeira, I didn't mind Teixeira having his opinions, and but I didn't like the way he did it. And I'm a Teixeira guy. I've always liked Teixeira. You know, I, I give him credit for retiring when he did because he probably knew that he didn't have anything left and he was the only way he could have possibly stayed on the field was taking something. But it was very much up on his high horse doing it on a platform of the Michael K show in New York on drive time radio, where you know, you're going to get a lot of listeners. Yeah. And you get, he got a sound bite out of that. And it's yeah. just, he could have worded that a little bit better than saying, uh, what did he say? I'm not surprised. He said he's not surprised yeah. and that I don't want to get into it, but I'm just not surprised. Yeah. And what he could have said was, you know, a better quote would have been like, 
given the times and whatever, it could have been a mistake, but I'm not really surprised that it happened to another player. He kind of took a direct shot at Cano, but who really cares? Maybe he knew something that we don't know. He was but the guy's go, teammate for so long. You should say something, It was classless, though. but who cares? And he wasn't even, you know, I was thinking about it. He wasn't his teammate for that long. He was with him for five years, but, you know, at that point. Five years long five, enough to know whether or not Long enough to know and long something. enough to have your, you know, and you would think that if, if he – because when, when Cano left, Teixeira still had three years left on his Yankee contract. You know, he could easily go to Cashman and say, when Cano's a free agent, say, listen, this is just between you and me. I don't want to narc him out. Uh, I don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to be a snitch, but, you know, I have my suspicions. You might want to do some investigation look. because, Or even just talk to Robbie about it. You know, to, to, to kind of blindside him like that and kick him while he's down, you know, he did it to himself, of course, but... I, I just didn't like the platform that he did it. I know a lot of you know former athletes came out and, and uh, really ripped into Teixeira for, for being a bad teammate. Uh, I mean, he's not a teammate of his. He hasn't been for years. Teixeira is never going to have to worry about this because he's out. He's retired. He's, he's Unless some random list pops up, he's never going to be tested. Yeah, so. and it's not like he's going to get thrown at either. The no. guy is in the booth now. But, I mean, regardless, whatever. Uh, we could have a steroid podcast um, for three hours, just about steroids, between the beginning to the middle to the fact that sidebar David Ortiz never gets fucking any shit from anybody, no, and A Rod gets all this shit. Yeah. But don't get me started. They, I don't understand how David Ortiz never gets shit for it. No, he, I mean he tested positive. Here's, here's what it is: it's a popularity contest. It's it's people loved Ortiz, particularly in Boston. Well, for Red he Sox did. fan, I hate how Red Sox fans are like, "Oh, you can just stop there." That. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but I read this. I read that. All I have to say is Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. Right. That's all you have to say. Yep. But, you know, this gives just to and I don't, we don't have to go too deep into it because it goes on forever. And we could have this conversation, as you said, for three hours. But here's you and I are around the same age. We grew up watching baseball in the late 90s, but really got super into it into the early 2000s when we Which started understanding the, the, steroid the steroid era. But, you know, here's my question for you. Robinson Cano. For me, real quick, a Hall of Famer is where you one of the best position players at your position clearly for an extended period of time. Robinson Cano for a while has been one of the top three, if not the best second baseman in all of baseball. So if this never happened to me when he goes in, maybe not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but even if he has a pretty good next five years, he's a Hall of Famer to me. What do you think now? Do you think that this this completely eliminates him? A lot of people do. No, I mean, I think based off pure stats, he's a Hall of Famer. But going by the way that the voters are doing it now, because they're a bunch of old guys who forget the fact that there were amphetamines as well as a ton of other drugs that the players took before steroids um, that are considered PEDs. Um, but they're, they're singling out steroids. Um, Barry Bonds... And Roger Clemens are not in the Hall of Fame, so therefore I don't think anybody Numbers deserves... Numbers are climbing slightly, though. No, yeah, no. At some point, I think all of them will get in, and I think at some point Cano should get in. And when all these writers die off and they figure out a new way to vote for the Hall of Fame, I think all these guys will get their day, and it, it, it they'll figure it out. It will, just like legal gambling, it takes a long time, but they will figure it out. But just based off numbers, he deserves to be in, but no, he does not deserve to be in over guys like Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, who are the greatest, some of the two, the t- one of the greatest pitchers and one of the greatest position players of all time. I feel the same way Cano, about Alex Rodriguez as well. Cano, yeah, Alex Rodriguez is one of the greatest position players of all time. If he's not going to get in the Hall of Fame anytime soon, then I don't think a guy like Cano 
who's none of those guys actually tested positive. Cano did on top of that. Yep. And like I said, I don't really care about the steroids thing. We don't know who was doing it. We don't know back then and whatever. We don't even know now, to be quite honest with you. No. So based off pure numbers, if I was voting, yes, I would vote for him based off pure numbers. But I would also have to say to myself, I'm not going to vote for him right now because Barry Bonds isn't getting in and Roger Clemens isn't getting yeah. in. No, so when those guys get in, yeah, put Cano in the Hall of Fame. He's He's been a consistently great player for his entire career. Yeah, and one Fielding of the best at his position for a long wise. time. So I think it's just sad, but it was a huge bombshell because when people get popped for steroids, particularly in, in Major League Baseball, because it's that's probably been the biggest, you know, black mark sport of the of steroids, you don't really bat an eye because it has been so consistent. But when a player of his magnitude gets popped, it's usually at the this guys point, that are like mid tier players that take a jump up. It's like, oh, why was D.D. Gordon an all-star this year? Hmm. Or, you know, the, the list goes on. I'm wondering about Charlie Morton. I hate to speculate because the poor guy hasn't done anything wrong. But, I mean, I really don't know what's in the water. Goes from throwing 92 to 97 99. in Houston. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, it is interesting. Um, older, maybe, too. It's not like he's 28. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe Harvey should go down there. But <laughs> whatever. I mean, listen, the steroids thing. At some point, I think the guys will get their day where the the people that deserve to be in there will deserve to be in there. Um, you know, let's let's jump into some other MLB stuff, other MLB things. Um, Yankees caught up caught up in a little bit of weather while we were while I was gone, um, and then they lost, and then they hit a lot of home runs. Yeah, yep. The uh, Glaber, Glaber, the Glaber of the month, as John Sterling would say. Uh, horrid, hor- horrid. <laughs> There's so many bad ones. He he needs to take a step back, um, to say the least. But no, yeah. So so this week, I mean, they played basically five and a half innings of baseball in in four days. They had uh, Monday scheduled off. Tuesday, the game got suspended due to weather. It was tied three three, heading into the just starting bottom six. Wednesday, they were supposed to pick it up and then play their regular scheduled game in Washington. Both those games uh, didn't end up happening, so they're going to be playing uh, the last three innings of uh, of that game or last four innings rather of that game, um, and then the this regular scheduled game is part of a I guess you can call a doubleheader on June eighteenth. Um, they they're gonna have two doubleheaders uh, due to rain. They're playing a doubleheader in Detroit on June fourth, and then that uh, two, those two games in Washington on the eighteenth. Uh, they looked very very lackluster in their first game against Kansas City. Gliber made a bad error. CC threw a lot of pitches. That's the offense game. was out. Yeah, it was a lot. It was one game, but they definitely looked rusty last night. They shook off that rust. They destroyed Danny Duffy, who I know some Yankee fans we're looking at as a possible trade target during the offseason. Uh, he can't get anybody out. He looks like a wreck on the mound. The Yankees knocked him around. Uh, Severino didn't have his A game, but but pitched well enough. It was really nice to see Clint Frazier in the lineup, uh, walk twice and hit a ringing double. Um, not in the lineup today. I don't know how much longer he'll be up because I just don't think there's a spot for him. Yeah, the, that's just something to segue into the trade deadline. You know, I'd hate to see him go, but there's really no room for him, um, as well as a few other position players. And the Yankees need a starter, man. They they do. Uh, Sonny Gray is just trash. He's not cutting it, and he hasn't pitched since we last spoke. Just because yeah, he's of on the, the mound today, days but... off. So should be interesting to see how that goes. But 
I mean, I really don't want to see Clint Frazier go. Maybe he can play center field and they can get deal a guy like Hicks, although I don't think they want to because Hicks is good. Hicks Hicks hadn't been, though. He'd been really struggling at the plate, but these last two games in Kansas City, he hit another inside-the-park home run yeah, last night. Yeah, but I night. think they like to have they that love switch hitter. That and his on-base percentage that. is really high. He plays a great center field. Yeah, he's got a, the arm speaks for itself. I mean, defensively, he's a little bit better than, than Frazier. Yeah, sure. I mean, he, he, he's a true center fielder. You can play him in the corners, but he's a true center fielder. Frazier, you can play him in center, but he's a true left fielder. Yeah, he's just like Judge. You can you can stick him in center, and it's not a glaring, like when Cespedes plays center, it's not like, oh, my, what the fuck is he doing out there? <laughs> but it's not like this guy. It's not like watching Billy Hamilton go play center field and go get everything like Hicks does. Um, you know, I... I I, the Yankees are, you know, they have one of the best records in baseball. You don't really need anything, but they're going to have to go out and get a starter and maybe another relief pitcher. I would like to get two starters. Um, I really like Julio Tehran. I don't know how you feel about him. I like Tehran, but I don't, think, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. And, and I know this is super early to do it, but this is around, you know, memori- we're a week away from Memorial Day. This is usually the time where you the start rumor a- starts yeah, and you start analyzing what your team is and what you're going to need in the coming months. And... You know, Atlanta looks good. I mean, they, they're kind of this year's version of the Yankees of last year. You know, they, they've they come a year early, and I think they've got a so nice mix. I think they're so young, though, that I think at some but that point they're going to take good. a dive. Yeah, you know, no. Washington's playing better now, but they're not, they haven't hit their stride yet, and, and, and Atlanta's playing great, and you might not want to break that up if you don't have to. I mean, they certainly aren't, you know, they're not, uh, they don't need young talent. They have plenty of it. Um... I were I look at a team, you know. I think what the Yankees are going to have to end up doing is they're going to have to survey what they want to give up because you could probably get a bum garner, but you would have to give up st- one of your top three being Andujar, uh, Sheffield, or Floreal. Then you're going to have to give up one of your B guys, which would be a Frazier or an Adams, and then probably one or two C guys, like a Tyra Wade, a Tyra Austin, or maybe another, like an Albert Abreu. I would put Frazier up with those A guys just because he's still a stud. And keep in mind, Drury is right there. Well, Drury is right there. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Andujar has this third base job on lock, and I know Drury is probably a really good player, and it's unfortunate of what happened with him. But What's crazy is I was listening to a debate, and everybody was saying that – I. I feel like it's just me and you that think Andujar's got this jog locked up because they were saying that they think Frazier's still the long-term. Um, Drury, you mean? They still think, sorry, yeah, Drury's still the long-term guy. It's interesting because, you know, the Yankees traded for him because they didn't want to rush Andujar up. And it makes sense, especially because there were still questions about his defense. But since he's been up, I mean, he's a little bit of a free swinger, but on a line, in a lineup that really grinds and works counts, you can afford to have a guy who swings. He's The more he's up, he's only going to get better. You look at Didi when he came up, he was a free swinger. Uh, I mean, if he can hit like a, like a Starlin Castro or anybody like that, I mean, you, you can have a guy like that very easily. The ball jumps off his bat, and he's been a very good third baseman in the field. He's made some good plays. You know, he's one of the top prospects. They didn't give up a lot for Drury. I was a Drury guy. I know you said you loved him in his first few games. You don't know, though, and you could probably I'm get more to get for over him. Andujar. I'm willing to get over Drury if you can go out and get a pitcher like Baumgartner or a pitcher like Fulmer. I would prefer a guy like Fulmer. I mean, I know he's not as battle-tested or whatever the and cliche word you want to use is. But, you know, he's younger. You're going to get a lot more out of him. Baumgartner... 
has already pitched so many innings, and he's had a major injury last year, doing something really stupid, but still it was a major injury to his pitching arm. Yep. Um, I think the one thing I don't know. is you're going to have to make a move. Now, Cashman's been notorious for making moves for young pitcher, young controllable arms who have high ceilings, a la Sonny Gray last year, a Nathan Avaldi in 15, and then the Michael Pineda move. And those guys haven't worked out the way he's wanted them to. And if you're going to match a Houston on a team that's ready to win, you're going to have to make a move that combats the Verlander. You know, Verlander, people forget last year, was not pitching great in the first half of the season. And I know, and he went to Houston as yeah, like a guy on a mission. Yeah, him and Charlie have been hanging out a lot. Yeah, just a little bit. They're both throwing about 100 right now, too. Very interesting. Yeah, right? I mean, mm. well, Trevor, mm. Brow- Trevor Bauer certainly thinks there's something up with what he said last year or so, or last week. But I don't know. I mean, you, you're probably going to have to do that, or you're going to have to take on a lot of money for a Cole Hamels, or if you don't want the move, you're going to have to probably give up more prospects than you want. Hamels is interesting because he's not what he used to be, but he he's the good ground ball pitching lefty who's battle-tested in the postseason. And he throws a baseball. He's a starter that throws a baseball with his left arm, which to right. everyone loves that. Of course, him. especially in Yankee Stadium. And then, you know, a guy like Chris Archer is interesting. Um, a lot of miles. A lot of miles. He hasn't been good this year. You wonder if it's because he's pitching in front of 200 people every night on a bad team. Maybe if you put him in pinstripes. I don't see the Rays doing that, and I don't see the Yankees giving up guys that they're going to have to deal with, you know, for years down the line for him. But maybe his... Maybe his uh, value has gone down a little bit because of his performance. I think the really unfortunate thing is, and it's never going to happen, but we can have fun with it. My God, if there was any way where the Yankees and Mets could possibly do business, because if you could get a Jacob deGrom, the the Yankees need a guy like that who's young, controllable, and battle-tested and brilliant in the postseason. You could afford to give up a guy like a Clint Frazier, trade from a, trade from an area of uh, of depth, but there's just no way those two teams are going to do it because yeah. the Mets could not Don't stand. even get me going. The Don't Mets even could get not me. St- they couldn't even trade Jay Bruce to the Yankees last year because they didn't want to help Yeah, them. no, it'll never happen, so let's just drop it there. It's a, it's yeah. a pipe dream. It is a pipe dream. Imagine they could go out and get a guy like Syndergaard or something. Yeah, so what do, you, what do you think? Would you rather give up the give up a big package for a guy like Bumgarner who could match a Verlander, or would you rather give up probably more players but not any of your 1A guys for maybe a Hamels – and you know, of course, in the coming months, there's going to be organizations that are that realize they're not ready to win and they're going to sell. But you know, teams that have appealing arms are either the Mets, who will never trade with you, or teams like the Braves, who have overperformed, or teams like the Diamondbacks, who are really good. You know, Patrick Corbin would look great, but the Diamondbacks have the best record in the National League. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, honestly, Hamels, it's just I don't want another situation where you give up a lot and you don't get anything really um they're not anywhere near the same pitcher because hamels is close to retirement a lefty that doesn't throw hard anymore and i was comparing him to sunny gray but it could be the same type of thing where you give up you know a few things and you don't get much out of him i would rather go and get a guy where you know he's gonna dominate and that's Baumgartner. even if you got to spend a frazier a drury and an adams and adams i um, think the only two guys because i don't think you can consider gliber a. Uh, uh, Prospect anymore. anymore? No, he's, he's the second baseman. No, absolutely not. They would. Yeah. I don't think they would give him up for anything short of, you know, they wouldn't give him for anything. Trout, 
Danny yeah, Dick's which and will and never happen. Especially pitchers so. because they're so fragile. I mean, you you're, you have your second baseman for the next 15 years, but um, I think the, the guys um, that they're looking at are Floreal, who's now hurt and will be out until August with a wrist injury. Um, but he's still so young and his ceiling's so high. I don't think she- I don't think Sheffield's going anywhere. They view him as untouchable as it gets, and uh, I think that's really it. Aside from Floreal and, and Sheffield, and you know, I think everybody else you could you could talk about. I think that the Yankees, um, if they if they, I wouldn't even be if they went and got Bumgarner for a package of Drury, Adams, and um, Frazier, I'd hate to see him go, but I'd be fine with it because then that locks in t- you. To having Hicks until um, Floreal, comes, Floreal up. comes up in a few years, which is fine. Hicks is a great player um, well, for what he is. Yeah, for, for what, what he is, is. Yeah. he's a great defender. And if you're and if he's hitting seventh or eighth for you, he almost made an All Star team last year. If he wasn't hurt this year, he could possibly have made it. You know, like if he if he got hot, he's he's a, a fringe All Star every year, which is what you want. And he's a Gold Glove defensive player. Yeah, high from on base eight, guy too. From an eight hitter, that's what you, you want. You know what he is? He's a more athletic Nick Swisher. A thousand times more athletic. But from the plate, but, I completely yeah. agree. From the plate, yes. Um, and then if you can keep Anhar at third base, who I think you know might be the future of the Yankees at third because of that bat. Fine, go get Madison Baumgartner. Sure up your pitching staff. Trade a few low-end prospects to go out and get somebody to shore up the back end of the rotation or a bullpen guy and whatever. But the Yankees, I just think they need one starter. Uh, when it goes goes a little further and some more guys become more available, we can talk about They're it. They're going to have to match the, a rotation of the Indians who can throw a Kluber, a Carrasco, and a Bauer at you. And as then, well as, as even set, better. As, yeah. the, the, and the, um, then the Astros, Astros who are throwing out Verlander, Morton, McCullers, and Keuchel. I mean, that's that's really tough. Oh, and Cole. How could I forget? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's something that you're going to have to go up against. I know Severino has taken that next step where he's your game one guy. Tanaka you know when the lights are on that We've seems when before. he's when he's his he's best yep. but he's still a wild card cc's been there done that but you still don't want that's still an, a disadvantage if he's pitching game 3 if you're I facing still hold a Garrett Cole. for Sonny Gray. I mean, maybe second half of the year he can turn it around. He has to, man. He, um, he's, this is this is A.J. Burnett all over again. I mean, the Yankees rotation has too many guys right now, and it's not like they're changing who – could just as easily go out and throw you eight innings of one-run ball as could not even make it out of the fourth. I mean, Tanaka can go out and spin a gem, and the next game he's giving up three home runs and not getting out of the fourth. Sonny Gray, one start against the Astros. Looks like he's got rounded back into form, and then he faces his old team in the A's. He's a three home runs in the first two innings. So there's just too much inconsistency. You need to get that guy that can match up against a Justin Verlander. The Yankees didn't have that last year. And even though I believe if the Yankees were playing in in New York in game seven, they would have won. They still didn't. And I don't think you can, you know, look at the landscape of the rotations because the Yankees are one of the top three teams in baseball. I think the best teams in baseball all reside yeah, in the American really, league. We're really nit- nitpicking at this point. Um, I think the Cubs, segueing into that the Cubs are going to turn it around um they're not playing awful but they need to heat up um and this is the one big rumor that's really really starting to heat up um with a very aggressive GM and a team with a lot of prospects in the Cubs going out and getting their shortstop of the future which is uh Manny Machado if they can package an Addison Russell with a bunch of prospects I mean I don't know how you beat them no I agree and I'm glad you said that because that's a huge 
I know it's early, but you know Epstein has made a lot of his moves, his big moves earlier before you know the hot before the deadline really starts getting uh, starts getting hot. I mean, he he's been super aggressive. He knows what he wants, and I think that Machado to the Cubs, that's one of the few teams that could probably sign sign him to a huge extension, and he would and he would agree to to do it. Yeah, no, it's it's a big market team. He won't go to Boston because they hate him. There's no room on the Yankees. So aside from L.A., who doesn't really have the assets to give up, and a few other locations, I mean, Chicago right now looks like the absolute perfect fit. Um, if they trade Russell, shortstop will be open. He's young. He wants to play shortstop. The Orioles would be happy to take him. Literally checks all the boxes. So, I mean, I think it's going to happen. I really do. And that's good for the Yankees in the sense that we don't have to see him. he's out of the AL East. And, they, and you know what, too, is the, the – uh, the Orioles have so many assets that they could move. I mean, they're, they they have Adam Jones, who's a free agent. If a team needs a good outfielder, they can trade him. They can trade Zach Britton. They can trade O'Day. They can trade Brad Brock. I would love to get O'Day on the Yankees. I would love to And the Yanks and O's do do business together. Not not for players of you know Machado's caliber, but they make some minor moves with each other pretty frequently. Uh, if the Yankees could get a deal like they did last year where they got Canely and Robertson, if they could get a Britton and an O'Day... Oh my, oh my God! God. With, with, we got to relax. We got to relax. I'm getting because a little at sweaty point, here. At that point, you might not even need. You don't need to even need starting pitching. No, Just, yeah. <laughs> I got to go to the bathroom. All right, back. But, no. easy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sweating listen, in that Darnold jersey. Yeah, a little bit. I gotta, I gotta relieve myself. But um, yeah, no, I mean. The 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 trade deadline's definitely a ways away, but just a little something to talk about. Um, some more spring cleaning. Hopefully, a few big things coming from us within the next month. Um, talking about putting a website blog thing out, as well as maybe changing the name. Um, just a few things. You know, I got back from vacation. I'm chomping at the bit to get moving and grooving. Um, you know, hopefully we can build this, get some eyes and some ears to it, and yeah. So hopefully, some big things to come For from sure. the. Uh, Whatever our name's gonna be. Yeah, okay? no, definitely. I mean, there's, there's definitely, you know, we started off just doing this for fun and not really sure what to do. But yeah, we realized we're pretty fucking. Good. We realized that this is something that a we like to do and and b, uh, you know, for the listeners who are listening, we appreciate it. But we'd like to get even more and to have a medium of a website where we can blog in between our our episodes and maybe and use that as another outlet to uh, to post our podcast every week. Um, you know, it'd, it'd be fun, and we, we definitely appreciate everybody that is listening, and uh, hopefully we can get even more as the summer, as we uh, really get into the summer. Yeah, no, absolutely. So within the next month or two, um, hopefully we'll be blowing up and getting a little bit bigger, changing the name, all that good stuff. But uh, I guess I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Cap.